welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. It's me, your co-host, Jenny Scott, here with oh, a guest co-host yet again, Mr. John Bauer, the co-host with the most. How you doing? I am good. This is becoming a regular thing. I'm starting to like this seat. I know. Dan's been traveling a lot lately, so happy to have you step in. Welcome back. Um, super good to see you, by the way. I'm excited to, to have our little chat today. Um, how have you been doing? Uh, you know, everything's all good. You know how they're keeping us busy here at ISSA. Yes, lots of good stuff coming down the pipe. Super excited. So stand by. 2023 is going to be a big year for us. So super excited. Now, John, you're far more familiar with our, our uh, guest than I am, but I'm excited because I'm going to nerd out today. But who do we have with mm-hmm. us today? Uh, well, well, thank you for that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very excited to, for our guest today, too, and some of the topics we're going to cover. Our, our guest today is PJ Nestler. He's a human performance specialist, international speaker, and an educator with extensive experience working with some of the world's top athletes for competition. Um, he's got over 14 years of experience, and he's trained hundreds of athletes from the UFC, NFL, NHL. He's highly sought, out, uh, sought after as a speaker, hence uh, being a guest on our podcast today. <laughs> and, and he consults in areas of performance breeding, combat athlete preparation, mindset, and recovery. He's worked with uh, military special operations groups, professional sports teams, and executives all around the world. Currently, he serves as the vice president of performance at FitLab. And he, much like us, is responsible for putting together a lot of education for uh, a lot of his clients out there and for a lot of trainers out there. Uh, and he also serves as director of performance for a company called XPT. So, PJ, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me and, and for that very nice introduction. <laughs> of course. Of course. Well, you deserve it. It's well earned. So let's let's start off by uh, hearing a little bit about you and your story. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in the industry and, and maybe a little bit about some of the work you've done with the athlete, athletes and, and military and, and then kind of lead us to how you got to where you are now? <laughs> Absolutely. I got started in the fitness industry as an enthusiast, as like a 12, 13 year old, started training myself, working out, getting pre- I played sports in high school. So I was trying to train for sports and I was a skinny kid. So I wanted to build muscle. So it was, it was all Arnold Schwarzenegger encyclopedia of bodybuilding. <laughs> I used to carry that encyclopedia around in my backpack to school and open it up during classes. And then I got into it professionally. I actually, I actually went to college for business because I didn't really think I could make a career out of fitness, even though it was my passion. So I went to college for business. I hated it. I transferred schools after my freshman year and I played football at the University of Rhode Island I walked onto the football team. And that's where I got introduced to strength and conditioning at the professional level. And I saw that you could do this as a career. And, and I was probably 19 years old at the time. And it's been full force since then. And I was always working at gyms through college too, folding towels, checking people at the front desk, anything I could do to get a free membership uh, and make a couple extra bucks. But in my sophomore year of college, that's when I switched my major over to uh, kinesiology and psychology. Those were my two areas of study. And I was gung-ho strength and conditioning. I I took every internship I possibly could throughout college. I was 
volunteering at every sports performance facility in the area. Uh, I was just hanging out with any trainer I could be around at any time possible and picking their brain and really annoying the crap out of them. Um, <laughs> so that's how I got into it professionally. And I started working as a trainer in college, uh, doing some personal training, then at a sports performance facility. Uh, I was really geared towards strength and conditioning. I really wanted to work with athletes. So the the more I could do that, the better. And then when I graduated school, I got a job as a uh, strength and conditioning coach at my university. Um, actually, I was like a paid intern. I was I was making negative money for a couple yeah. of years working there. Sounds um, about right. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was working in a Division One strength and conditioning program, so it was a great opportunity for me as a 21, 22 year old. Uh, but I was working like 100 hours a week and making with my rent and my my other expenses. I was I was losing like 300 bucks a month. But that was a great opportunity for me and ended up getting promoted there to an assistant strength coach, worked in the college setting for a few years, uh, left that to move out to California and work in the private sector. And then in sports performance facilities out here in California, I did that for about eight years and gradually kind of worked my way up through these different facilities I worked at. I ended up uh, managing. I was a director, regional director of three facilities when I left to start my own business. And that was 2006, end of 2016. And uh, I was really interested in the educational side of the industry. I, as I got promoted to manager, pretty uh, performance director pretty quickly in this facility, and I had no experience really. I had no mentor to guide me. It was just like, hey, teach people to train like you train. Uh, so what I started doing was I had two coaches that I had to teach uh, our, our methodology and I basically had to create that myself and try to create a system for them to understand the way that I train my athletes. And I really, really found a, a passion for that. I, I really enjoyed systematizing the, the training process and the way I think about things and then teaching it to coaches. And I built an internship program there where I would tr uh, train interns quarterly and really, really loved that. So 2017, when I started my own business, it was geared towards trainer education. And I was running mentorship programs. I was doing my own training of just a handful of my own athletes. Uh, and then only about eight, nine months into that, uh, I got reached out to from XPT. And they were looking for somebody to come into this, this company that where they ran retreats and build a educational curriculum around all of the, the topics that they have there. So uh, I jumped in there and, and then that has expanded into FitLab uh, since then. So that was kind of a long-winded answer, but that's been my path. Nice. Are you still doing mentorship for our trainers? Through XPT, I do education, but I don't run, run my own business at all anymore. Gotcha. That was gotcha. my role. That was my primary role with XPT was to build certification programs for coaches, trainers, doctors, therapists, and uh, build and teach those. We I built five certification programs through XPT, and then we taught those a lot in 2018, 2019, a little bit in 2020. And then obviously a lot of that has shifted since then. Absolutely. So yeah, that's the same boat as me and John. Like when we build this curriculum for people, it's different than when you actually use it. It's kind of fun, but tell us about how you took all the things that you had learned over those years in strength and conditioning and in mentoring and how you turned it into something you could translate and share with the masses, essentially. How did, what was that process for you? It started as trying to identify the the simple building blocks of the way that I look at an athlete. So when it first started, it was like, if I understand the eight main things we're trying to do with an athlete, let's say 
strength, speed, agility, and you know, all these kind of parameters to, to build an athlete. It started with how do I assess those and, and build a needs analysis. So I just built, mm-hmm. here's the needs analysis that I go through with, with a, an athlete when they come in the door. And then here's how I prioritize those variables based on where they're at in season and, and all the other things. So the goal for me was I didn't want to reteach people what they learned in college. A lot of the people who came to our sports performance facilities, they they already had a background in exercise science. But what I saw the gap that they were missing, uh, which I think I was fortunate to, to not have such a gap because of all the time I spent pestering trainers throughout my college days, <laughs> I learned a lot of what actually matters on the floor. And yeah. that's what a lot of people were missing. We had people coming into our program with bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, and they had no idea how to apply that in a real life setting. So that's what I was really focused on is you have a basis of understanding. Here's what actually matters. I, I tried to create a, kind of a muse for, for these sample clients and say, here, here's the athletes we see the most. 15-year-old female soccer player. And here's the most common needs. And we usually get them in the summertime as they're preparing for their season. So we've got eight to 11 weeks. And then we kind of did that off of uh, five or six sample athletes or clients. And then I would just build that process for them. And then once I built the process out, I would break down, here's why. Here's why I did it this way. Here's why I did it this way. Here's the importance of it. And that was a big thing for me is just trying to understand the why. Uh, I think that came to me from a few facilities I had worked at. It was just the way my brain worked. I always wanted to understand why this drill, why now, why this many reps, why not this one instead of that one. And what I struggled with in a lot of places I went to was that the education curriculum was like, here's what we do. Yeah. Here's the drills. Here's the thing. Here's week one. Here's week three. And I was like, but what, when would you change it? Like, why is that week three? And I, I really struggled with people teaching me that. And I was looking for it everywhere. I was everywhere I went. I was like, oh, now I have a new place and they have an education curriculum. So that's it's I, different. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I focused on a lot in my own mentorship was here's why this is important. And here are the major variables I'm looking at. And here's what to do when those change. I love that. I actually work with athletes from like 10 all the way through college level, mostly volleyball and basketball, but I could train. I have some people, I can train any athlete. All you need to know is the functional movements of their sport. What do they need to be good at? And I can train that. But I love what you just said, PJ, because so many people out there, yeah, they just look for a system that says, here's what you do. And there's so much variability to it. As long as you have a reason for why you chose this, what's it going to develop? How are they going to get better, faster, stronger, whatever it is you're trying to develop? There's variance in it. So it doesn't have to be just this exercise. But if you know that this is what this exercise accomplishes, or this is what this set accomplishes, you can change it out. Right. It gives you a little bit more flexibility so that you're just more focused on whatever, what am I trying to create? Right. What season are they in? What am I trying to create? And here's the things that are going to get me there. I love that. Cause yeah, that John and I see that all the time. People are like, I just, just tell me what to do. I can't, what I'm going to tell you is how Jenny does it. What I'm going to tell you is how PJ does it or how John does it. Not how, you know, you should be doing it. It's what are you trying to accomplish? And there's, yeah, there's just so much nuance to it. And I think you, you might've figured out how to, to help people understand the nuance of it so that they can empower themselves to, you know, make their programs based on what they want. Yeah. And I had some, a few things that helped me a lot with that. One was always reducing it back to the most simplistic version. What are the principles that we're trying to accomplish here? Let's, let's keep it a very principles-based approach. And then we can build out from there, Mm -hmm. but don't get lost in the nuance of every new training modality. Let's just principles first. 
And the thing for me that I think was very helpful is when I started beating this into my interns and my coaches' heads, it also forced me to learn a lot because one of the questions that I, one of the weeks of our internship program, I would introduce them to an exercise menu and I would tell them to build their own exercise menu. I would show them mine and how I broke it down by different movements and everything and different variations and how I built my menu, which was super helpful for me. And what I told them was over the course of this internship, you're going to continue to build your own exercise menu. Anytime you learn a new exercise, you can put it on your menu, but it stays highlighted in red until you can answer me. What is the purpose for it? How do you program it? How do you cue it? How do you teach it? And what happened was then I had interns constantly asking me those questions in my training. And there were times where I didn't have a good answer. And I was like, okay, I had just, so now I have to go back and understand why did I put this in? Why, why is it good for this athlete, but not that athlete? Why did I do this many sets, this many reps? Uh, and that really, for a few years of teaching people that way, really forced me to dig deep and understand that for myself. And I think it expanded my growth, like very, very rapidly, uh, forcing me to teach that. And that's what I did for them. Everything that I learned and that I felt was successful for me. I tried to implement on them and I, I put a lot of um, trial by fire. I, I would put a lot of pressure on them to make sure that they developed properly and that they didn't leave with, you know, getting to watch me train a few pro athletes while they clean stability balls. Cause I had internships yeah. with that and they were good. And uh, yeah. I wanted to make sure that ultimately our internship program was a feeder program for me to hire coaches. So I want to make sure that when these coaches finish the internship, they were ready to be hired as full-time coaches. And if they weren't, I didn't do my job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I need interns now. I need interns to follow me around and ask me why we're doing something. Cause I like, whenever I do something like yesterday, I had my, my 12 year olds, we were doing stuff with dynaballs and like explosive chest passing and like different variations, how they started, they jump with it and then they throw it. They had so much fun. I had a blast coaching it, but I was like, somebody asked me why we're doing this. Somebody asked me why we're doing this. Oh yeah. my God, I can tell you. It was so much fun though. Or like hand-eye coordination with tennis balls with my 10-year-olds last week. The parents were like, this is so cool watching them do it. And the kids were just having a blast. I was like, oh, somebody asked me why we're doing this. <laughs> and nobody asked, PJ. <laughs> yeah, asking you those questions because you get really, really good at breaking it down simply and, and being able yes. to communicate the purpose. And that, mm -hmm. that helped me a lot in education later on. Cause I had to, if I had to answer you, spend 15 minutes answering your question, I probably didn't understand it that well. Yeah. You lost me. <laughs> and, that, and that was kind of the point I was going to make is there the, the emphasis on the thoughtfulness behind the programming is what I love about that. Cause we all know there's a lot of random workouts out there and it's just a race to get tired. And that's not always the, the point of, of good exercise programming. Uh, now, PJ, you mentioned something earlier about how you had a lot of coaches come in and they've got some background, but what you did for them is really point out what really matters. And you kind of talked about the, the principles of programming, but can you give our listeners maybe some more insights into what really matters when we're applying the information to our clients? Yeah, I think it's a difficult question to answer because what really matters really depends on the client. So it would always be, starting with that needs analysis and then being able to think about not getting lost in the intricacies of a lot of the foundational stuff. I think let's use basic anatomy and physiology. I mean, how many times have I applied physiology in my training practice? I do often now in my education and it helps to understand some of the more complex topics, but I didn't have to get lost in the nuances of, I'll give it, I think the probably the biggest one that most trainers get lost in is program design period is yeah. 
So many coaches would come in nerding out on these different types of crazy periodization schemes. And I was like, but can you coach these exercises? Can you get somebody to come in two or three days a week? And can you get them to go through this training program? And can you make it enjoyable and fun so they stick to it consistently long-term? If you can't do that, everything else is out the window. And I, I think that was a, another big part that we would hammer that I was fortunate to discover through my degree in psychology was the psychology piece was so important. And that's something that was really neglected in my education, in my exercise science education. But fortunately, because I, my, I also majored in psychology, I was always fascinated by it. The, the behavioral science aspect of everything, uh, I was always fascinated by it. So it was always integrated for me. Uh, and then I was fortunate early on working with NFL combine athletes. We brought in a sports psychologist and I, again, pestered him and followed him around the facility all day. Every time he had a chance to sit down and have a sandwich, I would sit there and ask him questions. But uh, I think that, that <laughs> was something that I really tried to build in as well. It's like the programs you build really don't matter. What really matters is can you get somebody to come in and do something consistently and then can we get them to focus on these these major building blocks? And then we can start getting into the nuance. And another balance was really like the, the balance of what people need versus what they want. That was a big yes. challenge for, for a lot of trainers is, you know, again, if this is here and this is all you serve them, then they're, the, the, what they need, but they came in for something else, you really don't get an opportunity to give them that other stuff. So we always, I would always draw this kind of line where these intersect. And the hope is that, you educate those clients and those don't do this. Eventually they kind of start to become parallel, mm -hmm. but if they're, if you're giving them a lot of what they need and what they think they need or what they want is very different when they start, unfortunately they just don't stay with you long-term. And I learned that quickly with a lot of athletes who came to me because I saw, I trained a lot of high school female athletes, volleyball, uh, even college, I, I worked with women's soccer, women's basketball, women's track, there was a lot of women's tennis. Those were a lot of my teams as a college strength coach, but particularly in the high school space out here, I had uh, women's soccer players, women's volleyball players, women's tennis players, ages 12 to 16, 18. And they all wanted conditioning, agility, like foot speed, quickness, and agility. What they all needed Oh, and injury prevention, because a lot of them had come in, yeah. they were post ACL or their friend tore their ACL, but they all needed was strength training. Yep. They were all so weak that they were not going to get any faster from foot speed drills, running long distances. That's all they did, which is why they were slow and why they were injury prone. But that was a huge discrepancy because I had to make sure that I gave them enough of what they think they needed for their, their parent or the athlete to really get the buy-in. And slowly, it, it was funny, I, you would watch these programs. I, I remember specifically one college or high school and then college volleyball player I trained who I started with when she was like 14 and she had blown her knee out and she was 6'3", super skinny, very weak no control. And she wanted to do a ton of plyos and a ton of conditioning work for, for volleyball. And my program with her like day one was a lot of that and a little bit of strength training. And I think by month two, we did zero plyometrics, zero conditioning. Cause she was doing so much of that in her volleyball practice. Yeah. And it was all strength training that she was doing, but it was funny to see that, like what my original program looked like for her. Cause if you had came and asked me, I'd be like, she doesn't need any of this. I'm actually just trying to keep her to not getting injured with all the stuff she's doing. 
and keep her engaged so that I can start to build trust for her to get into the strength training that she really needs. You know what time it is. Time for another ISSA rapid review. Sachin had this to say about our strength and conditioning course. Good study material was provided. I had enough time to study and the quizzes were really helpful. Thanks, Sachin. Yeah, Dan always says that. He says, give them what they want and sprinkle in what they need. And I'm that sneaky sprinkler where I'll do something and I won't even tell you that we're doing it. And we'll be like, oh, did they notice? Did they notice that we did that? And then, you know, like you said, though, PJ, a couple of weeks later, a couple of months later, they're going to do something. They're going to move or cut or go to volleyball practice and they're going to do something. And they're like, man, that felt really easy. I know. <laughs> I know. I had a method to my madness. Right. And my men's team is like that. We do stuff all the time with them. They're like, they go. They're all having less pain, right? Less shoulder pain, less knee pain. I, I can jump a little higher. Man, did you just see me jump up over the net? Yeah, I did. I, I'm pretty sure I helped you with that, right? So yeah, give them what they want. Sprinkle in what they need. I love that. Always. So there's definitely um, some, some nuance to what you're talking about. And I love the way that you kind of structure and like the psychology piece. First of all, whenever I think of psychology, I did take psychology in college. I think of Pavlov's dogs. Because my 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 older puppy is a drooler. But when we open the treat container, just drool, drool. So that's what I think of with psychology. But also, sports psychology specifically is so important. And I absolutely love that you brought that up. Um, because especially higher level athletes, there's a big component of that, right? Imposter syndrome, knowing that you are you're here for a reason, like that, that grit. I hate grit. Like everybody talks about grit. It's kind of overused. But that resilience that you have to have, and it's a mental thing. But you also, with XPT, developed a Breathe, Move, Recover program. Can you tell us a little bit about that that curriculum that you created? Yeah, so XPT, the principles, really the biggest challenge I had at XPT is XPT started as the way that Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese approach living a high-performance lifestyle. And what that means is everything that they do is included in XPT. The way they eat, the way they, the breath work that they do, the way they stretch, the way they train, the way they recover, the the way they think about things, all of that is included. And that was a big challenge because it's really hard to certify people in every single thing that's included. So we had to try to bucket it down. And they, they already had these three pillars, breathe, move, and recover. And then we actually built it into breathe, move, recover, fuel, and connect. So we added a nutrition component and a connection again me throwing in the psychological portion and showing how important that is overall. And what we did was really what I found through working with them was they were already applying all the same principles that I was applying with the most elite athletes. We have this high performance model of of sport or training, which is mindset, recovery, physical training, rehabilitation, nutrition. And the big thing we were always trying to teach these collegiate athletes and, and professional athletes is all of these pillars, all of these levers are equally as important. And if you if you just dump all your, you dump everything into one bucket, you just keep overflowing that bucket and you your, your ceiling is going to be limited. So that's what we, when I started working with Laird and Gabby, what I found was they were implementing all of these same principles, but they did it through self-discovery and through a lot of the training they do. So those pillars that we broke down, we have breathing is really the foundation of everything that we teach. It, it's tied into every single other pillar and every component, uh, because it's one of the most foundational things we do as humans. And honestly, one of the things that I'm the most passionate about teaching and sharing, because it's so powerful and so accessible to everybody. And that was something for me, when I started education, people would come out and they wanted to learn how I train UFC fighters and how we train NFL combine athletes. And that was really cool to share, 
but not applicable to most people because most people are just not going to work with those type of athletes. So when I get to teach the breath work, it's awesome because I go teach it to my mom and in, in, in a, her charity organization that I work with. And, and I actually went to Uganda and taught some of this stuff to the, the oh, women wow. in her, in her um, nonprofit that she runs. And then I go work with sports teams, elite military special operators, and the principles, the things that we're teaching are 80% the same. The applications are just slightly different for these different contexts. So breathing is um, really the foundation of XPT. Movement is really all-inclusive. We do a lot of stuff at XPT underwater because Laird being a professional surfer, he he developed this whole system of training in his 12-foot deep pool with dumbbells and all this stuff underwater, which is oh my goodness. really, really fun and really beneficial. Um, but we also do a lot of other movement training. It includes the holistic spectrum of fitness from, from low intensity, mobility, flexibility routines, all the way up through strength, speed, power training. Um, and really, again, how we balance all those things. And then recovery is another big aspect, which I think is fortunately really becoming more mainstream now. <clears throat> uh, yeah. 10 years ago, we were beating athletes over the head with this and it was harder to get them. To do it. <laughs> now the athletes start to get it. Now we're beating general population over the head with it, but really just taking an active approach to your recovery and breaking that down to physical recovery, mental recovery, emotional recovery, understanding how stress affects the nervous system and mm -hmm. all the different types of stress and how we can mitigate the negative stress, use the positive stress, recover and adapt from stress. So those are kind of the pillars. And then again, fuel, we, we talk deep about education, excuse me, nutrition, and then we have connect. And that's a lot of the psychology, how you connect to yourself, self-limiting beliefs, uh, how you connect interpersonal relationships, building community, and then how you connect to something outside yourself, uh, like nature or spirituality and all of that. And, and that's really what we look at as our kind of holistic, uh, high performance lifestyle. I love all of that. Right. Like, like, I, like I was telling you about six, six, seven years ago, I don't know how I caught wind of XPT, but I started paying attention. And at the time, the notion of breath work, cold plunges, saunas, working out underwater, these are all super fascinating and very new and, and probably do in part two to you guys. A lot of this stuff has become a lot more mainstream uh, these days where people are talking about it at conferences. You're seeing posts about this stuff uh, all the time. Uh, so it, really fascinating stuff. Now, in, in terms of learning some of this information, you guys, what can students expect uh, from, from certifications and then maybe more importantly, those experiences, because those experiences have really caught my eye. For certifications, we currently have a performance breathing certification that's digital only. Um, that is one of my biggest points of pride because my goal when I dove, in, dove into breathwork, as you mentioned, breathwork was a thing, but it wasn't practical. When, when I joined XPT, I had to learn everything there was to know about breathwork. And I didn't know a lot. I had I'd been doing it for four or five years, but very kind of piecemeal, learning it from a few different coaches. And I dove in and I took every breathwork certification course you could find. Uh, I worked with a bunch of different expert specialists, all the top people in breathing. I read every book you could, you could imagine on breathing. I read hundreds of research studies. And what I found was there was a very dogmatic approach when it comes to breathwork. There was like the yoga breathwork. There was the Wim Hof breathwork. There was the oxygen advantage buteco method breathwork. But I didn't care about that because I'm not a kettlebell guy. I'm not yeah. a powerlifting guy. I, I'm a principles-based performance coach. And I like to build a really big toolbox. 
and then understand how to use those tools for different clients at different times. So that was my goal with XPT Performance Breathing, was to understand all of those different breathing principles, break it down to the the science-based principles, read the research and figure out what's happening from a physiological, emotional, and psychological state when we do different breathing practices, and then create kind of a tools-based approach to as a trainer, as a coach, as a physical therapist, as a doctor, these are the principles. And then these are the tools that we've developed, but you can take those. Once you have the principles, develop your own tools, adjust it for your own situation. So that's what we we built in that performance breathing course. And I think it's a one of the more comprehensive courses that are out there, at least at the time we built it, which was 2018 or 2019. Uh, there's a, a few more out there now that I think are are pretty good that are also developed from some coaches that understand training and performance. Because that was the other challenge with breathwork is a lot of it wasn't developed from a trainer or performance coach perspective. It was developed yeah. by breathing researchers or yogis or people who are super dogmatic about their approach. And it was like, again, do this protocol, not here's what happens when you do this and here's how to adapt it for this benefit or this benefit. So that's one of the courses we have. All the rest of the courses that we used to offer are now being brought internal because we're going to be launching XPT gyms and an XPT one-on-one training app uh, early next year. So we've brought all of our other education internal to, to develop our coaches to understand our movement training philosophy, our recovery principles, how to use saunas and ice baths and all that stuff and how to program them differently for mental recovery versus mental resilience training versus physical recovery, nutrition. We, we partner with, a, we brought in a lot of advisors to help build all the curriculum around the rest of these things. But yeah, the only external education that we have for coaches and trainers currently is the performance breathing, which we still will keep external and I'm going to keep adapting. I think I'm going to build a, uh, an advanced version or a version two pretty soon uh, because I just think that information needs to be out there. Everybody needs to know it. Uh, I, we wanted to get it to everybody in the world so that people can understand it and go teach it to their friends, family, clients, everybody. Cause it, I think it's super powerful. Uh, yeah. And then you mentioned experiences. The experiences are kind of this, this retreat that we do. Uh, it's two and a half days long. We're only going to be doing a couple of them a year, but we'll still continue that. That's really the pinnacle experience of living the XBT lifestyle. So for that people come out and they spend two and a half days with, our whole XPT team, it's uh, Laird, Gabby. We have usually eight to 10 really, really high level coaches that help coach these things. And we, you just get plugged in. You're drinking from a fire hose with, we sprinkle in education, the why behind things, but you are training nonstop. And we did one in Costa Rica and we did, we went mountain biking up in the trails. We were stand up paddle boarding. We did a beach workout, dragging logs and lifting logs. We did an outdoor gym workout. They have a cool gym there built with like wood weights and all this, you know, stones and stuff. So we did a cool workout there. Uh, We did a surf session. We did a trail run. We did two different pool training sessions, an ocean swim session where they had to swim carrying rocks out to this dock and then do a a treading water that was like 300 yards off the beach. It it was a lot of fun. And it's it's definitely something, again, it's one of my favorite parts of my job because the people who come are looking to push themselves physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and, and really reach a new level. Uh, so it's super fun to connect with people who are who are willing to do that. And, and uh, the community there is like nothing else that I've ever been around. I think a lot of the people who come are weirdos in their own community. <laughs> 
they're the people who want to get up at 5 a.m. and do a workout and then they want to spend Friday night doing a sauna and ice bath versus going out to the bar and like people like me it, when you're doing that in your neighborhood you know I'm, I'm carrying sandbags down the street and yeah street call the cops on us for pushing trucks down the street <laughs> and you put XPT and you connect with all these other weirdos that are interested in that kind of stuff and want to learn about all the cool new human performance things uh so that that's a really really fun experience that we get to share I want to do it too, but I would have to work up to the water situation. I have to work up to the water. Because you mentioned the 12-foot deep pool, Laird's 12-foot deep pool, the the swimming with the rocks. I am what do you call a land-dwelling indoor person. Yeah. And I mean, I I, I love to work out and stuff, but I need it to be indoor. Can I do a kiddie pool, PJ? Can I do a kiddie pool? (laughs) We scale it for everybody. But honestly, the people who get the most benefit are the, everybody's afraid of something. When they show up, we make sure that we find people's limitations it, whether or not, I mean, we have Navy SEALs that come out and we, we can find their breaking point in the pool. Everybody has a breaking point and the pool is really easy to find it. And we scale it for everybody because the point is not to destroy you. The point is to show you your limitations. And that's where I think the stuff that we teach at these experiences, the, the ice baths and the pool training specifically, the hard workouts as well, but people face real feelings of fear and anxiety. And, and that was something for me that I thought when I first went to XPT, uh, I went up to Laird and Gabby's house and they took me through a pool training and a sauna and an ice bath. And I was just like you, my comfort zone was the gym. And I always told myself, I, I push myself out of my comfort zone. I train really hard. I do jujitsu. I do MMA. I do all these hard things, but I know what the limitations are there. I know I could jump on an assault bike and I know exactly how hard people can push what, and, and I can do that. I'm never afraid. And when I went to Larry and Gabby's house, I was afraid. I was constantly, I can't do this. There's no way I'm going to make it. I'm going to drown in this pool. I'm going to die in this sauna. And that when I left, I was like, these people are crazy. I don't want to be a part of this. Uh, <laughs> and I realized that that was a lot of my own self-limiting beliefs trying to keep me in my comfort zone. And that's what forced me to say like, okay, there's a lot of learning for me here. I'm going to jump in head first and, and go for this. And that's what I think is so special about the people who come to the experiences because they show up and some of them are deathly afraid of the water or mm-hmm. of the ice bath. And uh, we have a great staff who's really good at figuring out where you're at and then helping guide you past that. And I think people leave uh, people leave with you know completely changed lives because of the fact that they were able to accomplish these things. And it transfers over into... They may never get in a pool or do an ice bath again, but it translates into other areas of their lives. And that's that's what it was for me. And again, that's why I'm so passionate about sharing it. Speaking of ice baths, that's that's my personal fear. You know, and I think that it's because coaches used to make me do it in college. And it, it just it's tough for me. It's tough. Uh, but I'll just have you know, I have connected with an XPT coach that's local to me. And we're going to go ahead and do the whole uh, ice bath thing. So he's going to take me through it. Awesome. Thanks, John. Look at you. Let me know how that goes for you. <laughs> Do you mind telling me? Oh, sure. His name's Kyler in Palo Alto. Kyler's amazing. Kyler, Kyler works for FitLab. So he's him and I, when you know, I mentioned that I had two coaches that I had to hire when I first became performance director. Mm-hmm. Kyler was one of my first hires that I worked with 2013 or 2012. And uh, he was an intern. And then we've been working together. He left, moved up to, to to NorCal, but he's amazing. He actually just came to Costa Rica, and uh, I'll let him know to uh, crank up the intensity on you a little. <laughs> amazing. So he'll take good care of me. That's good to know. Yeah, good. Awesome. That. He's awesome. That's so cool. Small world, right? <laughs> 
Absolutely. So if people want to learn more about UPJ and about XPT um, and FitLab, where can they go to learn more about you guys? To learn more about XPT, you can check out XPT Life pretty much anywhere. So xptlife.com is our website. XPT Life on Instagram, YouTube. I think we just started a TikTok now, which I'm not really familiar with, nice. but we're getting into that. So yeah, everything XPT is just XPT Life. And then FitLab is fitlab.com. And you can learn a little more. FitLab is not really a public facing company, but we manage, I think we have six brands now that we manage, uh, XPT being one of them. So you can learn a little bit more about FitLab at fitlab.com. Uh, and then me personally, most of the stuff I do, most of the education I put out is through XPT, but uh, or through the other brands that we we work with and manage. But mostly for me, I, I do it through XPT. And then I, I put some stuff on my own social media, which is just Coach PJ Nestler. Perfect. Following. I just pulled out my phone and I'm following now. Love it. He's Very cool. Do all the education through XPT. And I just post pictures of Costa Rica and cool things that I do on my own social media. And then random rants when I think there's something that is important that I want to share, which is usually in the middle of a workout when something pops in my mind, I go, I'm going to tell people about that. And I just record a random video. Nice. Love it. Okay. Well, I'm going to look for those now because I'm following you now as well. So <laughs> I love a good uh, stream of consciousness post. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, this has been super, super cool. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and everything that you're working on. Your passion definitely comes through. Um, so I'm excited to learn more about this. John, I want to know how your ice bath session goes with Mr. Oh, you'll definitely be hearing about it. I feel like you need to post on Instagram and tag ISSA so that we can share it and then tag XPT and PJ. I feel yeah. like that's how all of this works. <laughs> I'll make sure that Kyler takes some videos just in case John's being a little shy. I'll make sure Kyler takes some videos for us. Right. Get that content. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you again so much, PJ, for sharing with us. Is there anything else you want to share? Any questions that you wish we would have asked you today? Stream of consciousness. I don't think so. I think one thing I want to say is just if you guys are in Southern California and you want to do some sauna, ice bath, breath work, any of those things, please don't hesitate to reach out because I'd be happy to to take you through some of it. But yeah, I, I think the the only thing that I, I always like to finish with is my own personal motto that has been something that I've st stuck with my whole career. And I always teach all my my coaches, which is it's really about integrity. It's don't talk about it, be about it. Sure. And that's something that I try to keep all the time. If you're going to tell somebody else to do it, you have to do it. You have to be about the things that you're preaching and make sure that you live it. And uh, I see a lot of trainers that don't do that. So that's been something that has really been true to me for, for all my career. And I always like to share that with any coaches that, that are interested. I love that. Great minds. Cause I say the same thing. I always tell people, don't talk about it, be about it. I said that to myself the other day. I don't remember what I was doing, but I was walking through the kitchen saying, be about it. Don't yeah. talk about it. <laughs> that's awesome. And by the way, and you, your offer for Southern California. Guess where I'm going to be this Friday through Sunday? Southern California. I'm going to be in wow. uh, Long Beach. Okay. I'm coming out for a volleyball tournament with my men's team. So, okay. Yeah. If you're looking for some ice bath or sauna or anything, hit me up. I might actually pick your brain and have you come talk to these 18 gentlemen um, <laughs> about this such for uh, recovery purposes because uh, they need all the help they can get these guys. That's Love them to death. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for that, PJ. Um, John, any last words for our listeners today? Yeah, you know, one, one thing I love about this conversation is, um, you know, in, in PJ's bio and in his background, there's a lot of flashy stuff. There's NHL, UFC, professional athletes. But he said, we got to understand the principles. 
you got to be able to take it back to the basics. And when you, once you understand the principles, now you can create your own programs and your own methods and, and your own tools. But it's if you understand the principles, the basics first. So focus on those basics and then you can get flashy. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. Um, and to, my piece of advice for everybody is to get passionate about what you're doing, right? It's not enough to just show up and train people, right? Who do you want to train? What do you want to train? Find something to focus on and then learn as much as you can about the, about it. And you're going to find that that rabbit hole goes a whole lot deeper than you think. Um, some things you might have to pay to get certified. You may have to pay to learn. It's okay. It takes money to make money. But guys, the better at something you get and the more passionate you are about it, the easier it becomes to make money doing it and support mm -hmm. yourself doing it. Because if you can work more or work less, make more and enjoy what you're doing, you don't work a day in your life. Um, PJ, you're a walking, talking example of that. I mean, Costa Rica, hello. Um, yes, please. So, I mean, there's opportunities out there, you guys, but sometimes it just takes a little bit digging deeper into something, finding something you're passionate about and digging deeper. So I love that. Again, thank you for sharing your experience, PJ. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we're fortunate. We get to change people's lives. So if you're not mm -hmm. passionate, if you don't wake up and fall asleep and every minute in between thinking about this stuff, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong career field because we get to do one of the coolest things ever and we get to learn the best stuff and then we get to change people's lives. So uh, I completely agree with what you said there. Absolutely. That's awesome. Mic drop. I feel like that's a good mic drop. So you're paying all these homages to Dan today. And he's not even here. <laughs> he better listen to this. But anyway, thank you guys for joining us. And as always, we encourage you, go out there into the world, be fruitful, may or may not multiply. I don't know. But always make good choices. We'll be talking to you soon. Yeah.